This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. It's Thursday the 25th of November 2021. In tonight's podcast special, we are joined by BST's former chair, current committee member, and FSA National Council member, Her Royal Highness Christine Seddon, to discuss the impact of the long-awaited Crouch-led fan review into football governance in the English game. And I'm John Asperall, and this is the Seasiders podcast, podcast special, a tall order from Crouch. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to this audio podcast special, um, A Tall Order from Crouch. Very respected Tim Fielding to start with. How are you doing, Tim? Good evening. <laughs> and as I said in the intro, HRH, Christine Seddon. Uh, Christine, welcome back to the pod. Uh, great to have you back on again. Thank you. Nice to be here. So do you want to just give, Christine, just give give people who are listening to this who maybe are a bit unsure or they, they've forgotten about it since we've moved on Blackpool FC-wise, but what is this fan review all about and what was your own personal involvement and Blackpool Sports Trust involvement involvements in this campaign? Okay, well, as we know, there's um, many clubs have, have struggled in various ways uh, for, for many years. Um, and from our own personal experience, of course, I think this is when most of us got to, to grips with just how unfit for purpose um, football governance is when we had our own issues and discovered that we had absolutely nowhere to turn um, to, to, to get things resolved. So we, um, as a somewhat unique bunch of fans, have been pushing for uh, changes to regulation for some time. Um, and of course, we famously had our petition for an independent regulator way back in 2018. We were head, ahead of our time. Um, but over, over uh, the, the last few years, and particularly um, with the loss of Berry, um, and then of course the effect of COVID, which has um, made critical financial situations at many clubs even worse. Um, I think panic started to set in when it became obvious that there's a number of clubs m- may not survive. So in a way, this kind of played to, to, towards what we wanted to happen in terms of, of getting a review of football governance. Um, and fans, of course, need to be at the heart of this. So eventually the government agreed that they would back or that they would um, instigate a review that would be led by fans. Now, I think we're all very um, <laughs> suspicious of this. Um, w- was it just like a pat on the head and, and let's make them shut up and go away? But I'm very pleased to say that that is not that has not been the case. That has not been the experience. Um, the Football Supporters Association has kind of pulled everything together, but um, there has been over over many months there has been literally 
hours and hours of evidence given to a specially elected panel that has been chaired by Tracy Crouch, um, talking about the problems that we faced, the issues that there are, um, and basically the massive failures that there are within the um, football regulation as it as it stands. Um, they've taken all this on board, um, worked it out, and come out with uh, this recommendation, um, which I personally think is fantastic, and which does include pretty much everything that the fans collectively have put forward. Um, so, you know, it's, it's been a long time coming, but now it's here. It's, it's really, it's monumental, yeah. quite frankly. So you mentioned the, the, the petition that was famously started by BST and it, it didn't garner a lot of attention, did it? And do you think the, the proposed European Super League and the breakaway kind of instigated the, was there a second petition involving Gary Neville and a few higher profile footballers and that, that got over 100,000 signatures, didn't it? And then they've got to debate it, haven't they, in Parliament? So. That's, that's correct. Um, I think that that was just like the, the final straw, the straw that broke the camel's back. Um, and I think it really made a lot of people wake up. You, you know, like when when Blackpool got to the Premier League and, and we realised the most people were unhappy with the Oysters all the way through. But that was like the trigger it made that, that they saw the pound signs and, 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 and exposed what they were all about. And I think the European Super League has done the same job. Um, it's exposed what they were about. It's about money. It's about a power grab. Um, and I think a lot of fans were who perhaps were supporters of those clubs and thought that a lot of these issues didn't relate to them have suddenly realised that actually, yes, it does. So, yeah, it, it's it's really helped to push this across the line without a doubt. And I know on the pod, Christine, over, over many years, and, when, and some of the ones where you've been on it, we've we've spoken about this independent regulator. I think some of the people who might be watching or listening to this might be thinking, well, well you know, what does that? Why does that affect us? What does it actually mean? But I, I just remember going back to when we were in the Village Hotel with Sean Harvey pontificating and killing us by PowerPoint after telling <laughs> us he wouldn't do it. How, how frustrating it was to have somebody who purported to lead the organisation that regulated Blackpool Football Club, sit there and, and misread his own rules and then turn around and say that really he was only there to represent his members anyway and, and not to represent us as fans. And it was incredibly frustrating. I mean, it was probably the sort of nadir of our period, wasn't it? Sort of 2017, 18, when we're trying to, wow, we're really waiting for change. Mm. And uh, that really sort of sticks in, sticks in my memory um, and I think the other thing that, that, that really stuck in my memory was that we were one of only four countries in the whole of the European um, area, for one sort of footballing area, who didn't have an independent regulator. And I know when I went to Germany, there was teams get relegated for, and, and Italy relegated for financial mismanagement. And this is because there's an ind- independent regulator, regulator in there stopping clubs overspending, stopping clubs mismanaging um, themselves. And and they've actually got some regulatory power and some teeth. And, um, you know, as Blackpool fans at the time, it, I think it was it was really the fact that we, kept, we, we repeatedly came up against this brick wall that made us perhaps realise that this was something that our, our game really needed. I didn't know that, Tim. I had no idea that these regulators are all over the European leagues. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think one of the other countries is on, and of the four is Andorra, and the other yeah. one's something like Armenia or Montenegro or something. something. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's 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 pretty much um, an integral part of the European game, and we were sort of the self-regulation by the suits at FA, who I know I know they've started to reform themselves a bit, but they were very much it was an old boys' network, an old boys' club. Um, and then the actual um, EPL and EFL themselves, they were just self-serving organisations. It was just completely unacceptable. Mm-hmm. I think Christy said on numerous occasions, we had nowhere to turn and we genuinely didn't. Mm-hmm. And, and listen, it was, you know, it starts with us because that's how we get our interest. But, you know, you only have to look at what's happened at, at Pop going before us at Pompey, what's happening now at Derby. We believe mm-hmm. Birmingham are the next big one. You know, this talk that they, they're, sort of um, um, massively in debt. 
um, and 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 you know, and Berry in particular, where some lunatic comes in um, who thinks he's you know what he says goes, completely ignores the fans, comp- has no respect for the football club, no links to football club, and drives them into permanent obscurity. It's mm. it's, um, it's so, you know, it's, so could that could that not have so could that not have happened? Could the Berry situation not have happened had a independent regulator been been in place? Or oh, Christine, if you can, if you can answer that. Well, um, no, I mean, that's the, that is the whole point of, of all these recommendations. This is a, a, a total overhaul of the way football is, the, the whole framework of football is set up. Um, and, and an independent regulator will have powers, will have some teeth to actually do stuff. Um, and I think for me, um, I was fortunate to be one of the four, um, BST members that got to address and, and give the evidence directly to Tracy Crouch and, and the panel. Um, Blackpool, we actually got our own slot because uh, of our experience and because they recognised what we'd done. Um, and, you know, we're certainly one of the, the best or the worst examples of, of how we were failed, miserably failed by the, um, by the authorities. Um, so to be able to sit there and actually tell our story to a group of people who clearly had done their homework, who clearly understood what this was actually, why this was necessary was, um, fantastic because as, as Tim's already alluded to, you know, o- over many years we sat there feeling like we were just banging our heads against brick walls. And even though people, some people were sympathetic or would go, oh, yes, it's terrible, isn't it? But there's nothing we can do. Um, it must so have been to, incredibly frustrating, given all the, the work and effort hugely, you were all putting in. Hugely frustrating. Um, and, and the thing is, even though we got a good result because of our actions and, and obviously the Valeri's action made a big difference, um the, the the structure that we that we're in is still still makes us vulnerable because if anything god forbid was to happen to Simon Sadler and he mm. couldn't hold the, own the club anymore we'd be back to square one um and and this is what has got to change it it absolutely has to change um and uh, you know her re- the report that's come out it's very in depth and and i get that for a lot of people it's like oh my goodness you know <laughs> for falling asleep. I just want to watch football. But I think we learned from our experience that, yes, of course, we all just want to go and support our team and watch football, but it does sit within a framework. And if that framework is it doesn't work and is corrupt even, um, it, it, it's going to affect everybody at every level. We, we hear about this pyramid all the time. What shape is a pyramid? If everything is, is, is thrown at the top of the pyramid and everybody ignores what's at the bottom, the foundations, the whole damn lot's going to come down eventually. And that is what is starting to happen. It's st- the cracks have been showing for some time. So this is, it's vital to save football um, because it's it's so top heavy because there are such obscene amounts of money that mm. come into the game, but then are literally hoovered up by those at the very the elite at the top, and and everybody else is left to scrabble for the crumbs, and yeah. and it's just not right. Yeah, Tim, as, as Christine mentions there, the you know this vast undistribution of wealth, if you want to call it, and um. Yourself, you've been involved in in youth grassroots football. I've just sort of dipping my toes in the water at the moment. And the thing that strikes me from the coaching days, well, my, my current coaching experience is like how terrible the pitches are in in youth football and all, all the all the places where we go across the foul coast for the kids to play. The pitches are just in awful, awful conditions, and it it makes you it makes you mad when you when you read about how much money is in the game and, and how awful the conditions are for for kids grassroots teams Sunday league football so in in your opinion will will this if it comes in this fan lad review and that the government's changes would this see football and pitches and investments in grassroots and in in youth and community would would that see a marked difference i guess like to the man on the street would would it be interesting for them from that that perspective well, the, the, the report is, 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 is quite 
um, useful in this respect because uh, whilst obviously uh, we'll, we'll, we'll have a look at the individual um, recommendations in a little bit more detail shortly, one of them is that is that the, one of the headline ones is that there should be a ten percent levy on Premiership transfers, and the the analysis is that if that had happened over the last five years, an additional one hundred and sixty million pounds per season would have would have gone into grassroots football. And actually, the report gives some examples as to what that could deliver on pra- in practical terms. And it would mean, as well as making sure that League One and League Two clubs could break even, it would also each year provide 80 adult 3G pitches, 100 adult grass pitches, 100 children's small-sided grass pitches, and um, 30 sets of changing rooms every year. And... That 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 could you know that's on top of what anything else that's already provided for, and that that could only be you know incredible you know Shay what you say incredibly frustrating when you're in grassroots that you turn up and you haven't got proper changing facilities, you, you've got a pitch that looks like a ploughed field, um, the clubs don't come in and provide any coaching when the, you know they could they've got so many coaches on the books they could send them down to put on some special coaching sessions you know and you, you don't get any equipment even when you pl- even when your players get signed by clubs you get nothing you know I, I had lads going to Everton Liverpool Blackpool didn't get a bean didn't get a thank you um, you know didn't get a bag of balls nothing um, and you know it's not like bring all your lads down and we'll show them around anything like that nothing at all. Um, so uh, that's not what you get involved in it for, but it's sometimes nice to get some recognition and, and maybe some financial compensation effectively, modest, for the fact that you've coached that player to the point where he's actually good enough to get in, into into an academy. Um, just, I just wanted to be, just take a step back a minute because when we talk about, uh, uh, it was a point that Christine um, touched upon, which was, you know, uh, maybe a little bit sceptical as to the extent to which the fans led this. Um, there was a fantastic article in um, in the Times by one of the uh, uh, by one of the participants on the committee, mm-hmm. and um, it really resonated with me because what he says is, and I, th- I think I can't do any better than read it. It he, he said there was two moments that that uh, really stuck with him as to why this needed to happen. And the first related to Berry, and it, and it was talking to Gary Neville and his mother, who was the former club secretary. And uh, and he says, uh, I don't want to focus on this bit particularly, but he says, I do not get the impression the Neville's are overly sentimental, but he was very moved by the way that they spoke. But the second bit, which is what the, really what I wanted just to, you know, because it's Blackpool-centric, is he says, the other was talking to supporters of Blackpool FC, Perhaps I should have been aware that the Premier League told the club in 2010 that it would have to get a new owner because it was owned by a rapist uh, and that it had failed to enforce the decision before the club was relegated. Maybe I once knew but forgot. In any case, it hit me with great force. How could such a regulatory failure be allowed to happen? So you've got one of the, you know, uh, one of the, I've forgotten how many members are now, there's about 12 or 13 members in there. One of them. What we said, what Chris, no doubt Christine, I suspect, and others <laughs> who, who made representation about for Blackpool, that it's that and the Berry contribution that's really mm. resonated with them. Mm. And, um, you know, I think, I think we can look back with a certain amount of pride, A, that we were at the vanguard of this right at the beginning. And, 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 and listen, that's not us blowing smoke up our backsides. We genuinely, at one point, we're the only voice for it. We were. And, and secondly, that, Three years after sitting in front of Sean Harvey in his PowerPoint presentation, um, that there's been such a fundamental shift in in the in 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 the, in the views of the powers that be. And listen, let's not be about the bush. It's an easy electro, electoral hit, isn't it, for any government? The Labour, oh, yeah. Labour in their manifesto a few years ago, it was in the it was in the Tory manifesto in 2019. But to be fair to them, despite COVID. They've delivered on it, and they've delivered on it. I think probably because the I think the Super League and Berry have pushed it over the line, and and the concerns over the finances from COVID. But nevertheless, within two years of of, of the election, they've delivered a very very comprehensive report. And not only that, as we're going to go on to discuss, they've pretty much put the marker down to the clubs that you've got X amount of time to sort certain things out, and if you don't, we're going to do it for you. So incredible job 
Mm. Um, incredible um, amount of effort that's gone into it. And, and it's not just the fans, is it? I know, I know um, uh, uh, the, the chap I just quoted, he was very complimentary about Clark Carlisle as well. Obviously, he's got his Blackpool links. I think yeah. he uh, was very, very active. I don't Christy probably knows more than me on that front as to what he actually did. But. Mm. Well, I, can, I mean, I did, just to go back to, because Danny Finkelstein is, was one of the, the panel, uh, people on the panel. Um, we were, as I said before, we were given, Blackpool were given our own slot because of how much we had to, to talk about. It was still only like 50 minutes. So there was myself, Tony Wilkinson, Andy Higgins and Robbie Whittaker. We were the four that, that went on this, this big Zoom with this panel. It's a bit weird. I mean, you know, we're all getting used to Zoom meetings, but it is still a bit weird because you don't get that, um, you know, that face to face kind of feeling when you're talking. Um, and of course, I was asked to open it up and to sort of set the scene and, and tell the story. Um, I, I didn't really know. They hadn't given us any idea of what they, what kind of things they wanted to know. So I just did it off the top of my head like I usually do. And I'd been talking for probably five or six minutes and they were all absolutely silent and they were all listening. And I'm thinking, have they fallen asleep or are they actually, you know, are they, uh, is this grabbing them? But I, I knew that I needed to tell that story about the Premier League and, and Owen being banned because it, it's, it's something that has wound me up for years. I, I needed to get it off my chest apart from anything else. So I told this story and da- honestly, Danny Finkelstein, his jaw hit the floor. I mean, he visibly went, like this um, and started asking lots of questions about it so I, I knew it, I, I just knew it had grabbed him and um, so I'm not at all surprised that he's highlighted that because I saw it in his face while I was telling the story um, Clark Carlisle as well was absolutely brilliant he was so switched on I mean to the, the whole thing not not just because of his Blackpool connection he just totally got it um, and asked some really intelligent questions they all did, to be fair. Um, and and I, I was really, really impressed with them. So at first, I think there were one or two on that panel that were a bit uh, worried about this being fan led. You know, is it a good idea kind of thing? At the end of it, they have all commented how they were blown away by the quality of the evidence that's been given. There was no nonsense. There was no umming and aahing. Everybody, you know, delivered properly. Um, succinctly, we didn't sort of talk over each other. Um, and I'm not just talking about Blackpool now, I'm talking about everybody because we also got to um, have a Zoom meeting with Nadine Dorries as soon as she was announced as the culture secretary. So again, that wasn't rehearsed. We just went in there and just talked from our hearts. And um, it, it, it's really, it's been a privilege to be part of it, to be honest. The, the fans of football clubs are amazing. And I think for years we've kind of been labelled as either the hooligans or a bit slow or a bit thick or whatever, especially by people like Carl Oyston. And nothing could be further from the truth. And we know that from our own experience, the skills and the expertise that has come forward over the years is is outstanding. So the, the fact that it's now being utilised and that it's being recognised that supporters need to be at the heart of this is just, oh, it's, it's fantastic. It really is. If I can, just again, sticking with what Daniel says, he says, naturally supporters are passionate, but what was impressive was that every club had fans who were articulate, intelligent and creative. We very rarely endured ramblings or pointless contributions. Frankly, in a lifetime of political meetings, that's fairly rare. And I began to think it quite remarkable. Um, he said, the other thing was, the noteworthy thing was the consistency of the evidence. Early on, it became apparent that there was a high degree of agreement amongst fans and the panel was comfortable with their proposals. A regulator to prevent another berry, uh, a golden share to in- ensure European Super League fiascos couldn't happen again, proposals to include the financial st- sustainability of the whole pyramid. Each of these policies began to seem obvious. Mm. So whatever you guys have said, collectively and individually, it looks like it's really, really hit home with a panel um, that, that, you know, it's a consistent message and perfectly sensible proposals, nothing outlandish. You know, mm-hmm. we, we've heard Carl Hoyston talk about, you know, uh, you know, football fans, you know, all they, all they want, this is all they want that. And they just want, you know, they just want you to spend as much money as possible. The reality is all these, all these representations were saying completely the opposite. Mm-hmm. And I think even when um, it was pointed out, the regulator may well slap 
sanctions on your club and it may cause you personal issues, there was an acceptance that that was a, yeah. a price worth paying. Absolutely. I think, you know, I mean, we found that out again, didn't we, in, in our own experience, that, that fans generally are pretty realistic. Um, the, 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 um, the system as it stands um, rewards people taking risks. And, and that's, that's wholly wrong. You know, risk a club, an entire community club sometimes, as in the Berry situation, or you look at, um, you know, Derby or Aston Villa, who, who they literally blow everything on the roll of the dice to get to the Premier League. And, and it's absolutely crazy. And whilst fans do, obviously, you want to watch great football and you want your team to compete. So you want your club to be um, ambitious. But I think most fans are really very realistic and don't want, we don't want it at the expense of, of going bust. I mean, who, who, who that, that would make no sense at all. So I think getting the message across now to support is that this isn't something that's dry as dust and isn't really anything to do with you. It's it, This is for all of us because that's what football should be about. And we can now, we need to get behind this because although the government have endorsed it really and, and said they support this, you know, it's got to get through Parliament. There's, there's, there's a way to go with it. So, Every single football fan that endorses this, that supports it, that gets onto their MP and says, I support it, I expect you to do the same, will help help it on its journey through Parliament because that's what's coming next. So, you know, we all have a really important role to play now. We've spoken about uh, the independent regulator. There's a couple of other um, standout provisions for me that, 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 that uh, particularly, some, you know, somebody who's been in the boardroom, um, I found a particular interest. One of them is this idea of the shadow board and how that would work. And then mm. the other one was this golden share provision, which is seeking to put some, um, effectively some stop gaps in place, which prevent certain things like the Super League being the, the obvious example. What, what's the shadow board, Tim, to those uh, who don't know? Well, well, I was, I was hoping Christine was going to enlighten us. I mean, um, from what I know, it, it's... It's going to involve um, a, a, a group of fans who I understand will be elected um, having to be consulted in relation to certain key decisions in relation to the way each and every club in the EPL and EFL are operated. I mean, I don't know whether you know more, Christine. Um, again, this is a, a suggestion that's come up because I think it's, it's recognised that, again, supporters do need to 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 be in the middle here somewhere um and and have some input and and a way of protecting your club so um yes to stop things like uh, the european super league but also simple things like do you remember years ago when cardiff city's owner suddenly decided that they'd have to start playing in red because yep. it benefited his business and and we'll just throw out a hundred years of them being the bluebirds and and whatever there's, Wim, there's, like there's wimbledon going to mk dons as well that kind of thing yeah. exactly things that are part of your heritage which things that really matter of course to supporters and the community so giving that golden share um does does give um uh, give that sort of power or at least it gives us um an opportunity to put the brakes on um if someone suddenly de- the, the owner of a club decides to to go a bit strange well, it would actually um, be a veto wouldn't it i mean we're not yeah. talking about you have to be consulted if if the fans don't want it, it mm. well, it happened, it happened with Hull as well, didn't it? With Hull Tigers. Hull and, Tigers, yes, um, that's right. And, Absolutely. Um, what do you think had happened, Tim, if if um, a rogue owner like the Aslam chap at Hull, what do you think if he pushed that through regardless, what, what powers would potentially could the regulator have to well, I think stop it in its tracks? What could he do? Have or the power she? to disqualify him, I would expect. I mean, yeah. there's no point in having a regulator if the regulator hasn't got teeth. Mm. And the ultimate sanction is is disqualification under the owners and directors test, mm. uh, which apparently is going to be there's going to be one, not an EPL one and an EFL one. There's going to be one, and it's going to be supervised by him, not by um, the uh, the members associations themselves. So, you know, this is this is like music to our ears. This stuff. I mean, will, will this will this regulator be a single person or a group? A kind of group of a body of people. Uh, I think, I think, well, I would have thought. 
How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. But you'd have one person, but then with a team working under them. I think Christine yeah. should get the job. <laughs> Gets my vote. That would, uh, Christine, that would be, to a quote of Timism, a delicious irony. <laughs> well, it would be a delicious irony, but I'm not sure I'd want that. Um but yeah, I, I agree with Tim. I think it will be like a person, but with, with a team. Um, and sorry, I didn't really answer the question about the shadow board. I mean, th- this is, this is a sort of term, terminology that's, that's coming out of this. Um, I think it's a case, and I, I know people are a little bit worried about Uber fans and top table and, you know, you hear all of this. Um, I, th- I think that by calling it a shadow board and, and having, it, democratically elected, etc. Um, it, it's to protect that. It's to to make sure that the supporters that do this are are suitable as well for the job. I mean, you can't just put just anybody in in that kind of role. It's got to be people who do actually have some understanding of of what they're taking on because it's a big responsibility. Um, so again, th- there's there's a lot of there's meat to be put on the bones. Th- these are recommendations, and and what the final thing will end up looking like. Like, um, we'll have to see. And I think, again, we, we can all still contribute to it. But I think it's a, a very interesting idea um, and, 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 a, and a welcome one, really. Uh, definitely. Yeah. The, one of the other uh, uh, interesting um, uh, propositions, I've got a lighthearted one in a minute, um, but um, they, they, they're looking at the parachute payments, I believe, aren't they? Because they're a bit concerned. You know, we're in the championship now and the we can see the huge disparities between the wages that the Fulhams and the Bournemouths are, are able to pay. And to be fair, what, what that we could theoretically pay when we came down from the from the EPL uh, and how everybody else is forced to operate. And I think that's probably caused part of the problems where you find a team like Reading spending twice their annual revenue on players' wages. And, mm-hmm. and, and while we have these car crash clubs either in the, in, the, in the championship or relegated from the championship, who seem to have wage bills that are just unsustainable. Um, yeah. So I, I believe there's a, a levelling up process. Oh, this. don't say that, Tim. <laughs> it, yeah, you it, are the leader of the opposition as well. You shouldn't be coming out with his phrases. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, the, the, there is, and, and she goes into quite a lot of detail about the parachute payments, um, and acknowledges that you know you can't, you don't want clubs go getting into financial difficulties um, because we just take the parachute payments away. So I think it's acknowledged that if clubs do get relegated from the Premier League, there will have to be some kind of support, but it needs to be measured. Um, and it certainly can't continue the way the way that it is. And the disparity, I mean, there's so much information in there. I urge everybody to read it because it's fascinating stuff. But one, one thing that I noticed was that a couple of seasons ago when Huddersfield finished bottom of the Premier League and they got £96.8 million and yet Norwich, who finished top of the championship, got eight and a half. I mean, there's a huge, huge disparity um, the EFL get 16%, on, only 16% of the Premier League broadcast monies. And most of that goes on the parachute payments. 
it, it's 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 just bonkers. Could, Christine, could could the regulator well, say like this does go through and they kind of get the teeth into football and trying to level the playing field? Could they potentially put limits on wages so there's not these huge la- wages and and clubs aren't well, that's, clubs yeah, aren't that's clubs totally aren't then at the risk of going into oblivion without the parachute payments? Do you, do you know what I'm? Do you know what I'm trying to say there? Will, will the regulator kind of temper this ridiculous wage growth? Well, well that's it. I, I mean, this is why it has to be looked at as part of the whole financial um, overhaul, because the, the simple fact is it's the, um, the, the wages and the, the way clubs are being run at the moment that, that, is causing the issues in the first place. Mm. You know, some some clubs are their wages are one hundred and fifty percent of their turnover. I mean, that's just well, no other business would be allowed to run in that fashion. So the whole thing's got to be looked at. But in the short term, yeah, obviously you can't just suddenly pull the rug from under the feet by taking it away because. Um, it would it would actually push some clubs, um, it, you know, make them unsustainable. So it's going to be a gradual process. But I think everybody's agreed that there's got to be sort of wage caps and, and we've got to bring this down to a more reasonable, um, manageable level. And that's, again, is where the fans, they, they did sort of ask the supporters about this sort of thing. And, and this is where we have to be realistic and understand that if we want our game to survive long term and be sustainable long term, um, there are going to be changes. And it will mean, it might mean that your particular club that's been spend, 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 isn't going to be able to do that anymore. But overall, that's going to be better for the whole mm. of football, surely. The uh, in, uh, probably I think the, the 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 biggest warning shot that appears in that executive summary is to do with these parachute payments, mm. because uh, Tracy Crouch says basically she's saying I'm going to give the give you a chance to sort it out yourselves, but she then says if football cannot find a solution ahead of the introduction we will. of nation uh, to implement the reforms set out in this report, then the uh, regulator should be given backstop powers to intervene and impose a solution. So yeah. basically saying you've got because I think it's going to be probably the back end of next year before the regulator's in place. You've got till then to sort it. If you don't sort it, we're going to sort it for you. And, and she will. Uh, and she will. <laughs> she absolutely she has, will. I think it's a political will to make it happen as well, mm-hmm. isn't there? Because it's yes. because it, it, for, from a politician's perspective, it's like manna from heaven. It's, it's, it like, it can't, it's a no-lose, isn't it? Absolutely. You've got, big, you've got the greedy football clubs and you've got a load of fans who are your potential voters. It's a no-brainer what you do. Absolutely, it is. <laughs> so uh, some other key recommendations that have that have come out that we haven't mentioned. Is there anything else from, from the list of 10 that you think will well, prick the... Will you, pr- and I, you and I are going to love. What's that? Well, they're on about introducing alcohol sales while you're watching the football. Didn't that say League 2? Yeah, for now, it's the trialling it in the National League and League Two. But um, as long as it works, it could be rolled out to be in, in other divisions as well. So that you won't have to you won't have to miss a game because you're going to the... Well, no, you probably might miss even more goals. Because you're going for more peas. We went all the way down to Swansea, Christine, and he missed the goal because he'd um, had a beer at half-time and had to go to the loo. <laughs> Oh dear well, me! Maybe maybe the regulator can introduce <laughs> in in stand toilet. <laughs> yeah, a commode. <laughs> commode for Next job. time you speak to the regulator, Christine, could you add that to, to the eleventh recommendation, please, to the uh, to the list? <laughs> I'll mention it. No, but she, the, the impression I got very much from Tracy Crouch is she's she's full of common sense. So um, whilst, you know, in reintroducing out sales of alcohol and being able to drink in your seat might not be at the top of everybody's list, you know, she's trying to bring some common sense and, and treat football fans like adults um, and, and include us and say, you know, what look you at... You can at rugby, can't you? Rugby. You can at cricket, you know. And, at, and in rugby. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Can you exactly. imagine the North Stand when we scored a goal? Be like that. Be like the Croydon Box Park, won't it? When England score. <laughs> <laughs> never understood okay, that. Cool. I, I'd never throw my beer in the air. Maybe if there's a little <laughs> few dregs left, maybe. Maybe the idea needs a bit of work, but hey. <laughs> but joking aside, Tim, that's that's something that your average man in the street would want 
wouldn't they? And well, 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 if, it's thing, if it's things like this, it's it's a, a very positive thing. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I've been to as you know, so well documented. I've been to Germany a fair bit, and and it have you? Have you? You never mentioned that. I know. <laughs> it's like it's like uh, it's like a day really with his broken leg, isn't it? It's like, uh, but um, you know, it works very well there. And you know, during the boycott years, we you know went to some national league games or, or national league north at AFC and some away games. And you're always allowed to drink um, uh, on the terraces at those grounds. If you remember when we had Brett Ormond's testimonial, you could you could do it at his testimonial, couldn't you? Um, at uh, at AFC's ground, and it you know it's quite actually quite civilized um, uh, for the most part. You know, people don't get ratted while the game's going on, but the you know it's quite nice rather than to have to gulp one down at half time. Mm. or to um, uh, you know just to take a beer and take it to your seat and. And have a sip when you want or whatever. So, um, listen, it's not it's not a biggie, but it's it's it did it was one of those standout recommendations that I. <laughs> That's a biggie for me, Tim. Don't downplay it. Don't downplay it. Colours. I think you're t- you t- total, Christine. So, yes, I. Yeah, am. you are. Yeah, it doesn't apply to you, does it? I'm sure you can uh, feel all our pain, though. There'll be there'll be less of there'll be less okay. Smiths being done, won't there, Tim? Yes, exactly. <laughs> but again, it, it shows, you know, that Tracy Crouch gets football. She understands mm. football and she understands what football fans want as well. So, and, and how, how wide ranging this, uh, this review really is. It's amazing. So can I just get a, a plug in there as well that, you know, a week on Saturday, it's the BST AGM at the Armfield Club and Clark Carlisle is coming. He's our guest. Um, Paul Maynard MP is another guest uh, talking about this, all of this from the government's perspective, which I think is quite interesting because to be fair to Paul, he's, he's been very involved. He was always behind BST and and the Blackpool fans. So I I think, you know, uh, as well as Ben Mansford coming, we will be covering this and I'm delighted that Clark's coming because he's, he's been immense in, in this. He really has. Um, and obviously we all, we all know Clark and, uh, he's, he's a smashing lad. So it'll, I hope people will come down and, and, uh, John and I are in hospitality that game, aren't we, John? Are you up there as yeah, well? Yeah. Fulham, Fulham no. game. Yeah. So no, no, it's Luton. Luton. It's Luton sorry. Yeah. Luton. Luton. Yeah. So we're going to have to finish. What, what time are we going to finish Christy? Oh, it's, it's finished by one o'clock. So, uh, will tie in quite nicely, election. won't it? We're announcing the election results as well. So. <laughs> Vote fielding. Vote fielding. Are you, are, you, are you going around the streets of Polton, Tim, with your megaphone sticking out your sunroof? Have you? It's, it's, it's been a low-key <laughs> campaign so far. <laughs> uh, so, Christine, how how do people... Can you just turn up to the armfield or do you need to be a BST member and get a ticket or no, anything? No, you don't. Or? You don't. You don't need to be a member. Our meetings are open. Um, I mean, I, I hope that we have so many people that we're having standing room only, but, um, no, just, just turn up, please. But it starts at 11 o'clock in the morning. Um, so we've done that in the old days when we were having meetings. Of course, we weren't going to games, were we? So mm. it didn't really matter, but, um, now it does. And of course, Ben Mansford's coming and he's got his match day duties. So, um, you know, it's it's eleven till one. What's Ben going to be talking about be great. specifically? But, you know, well, he's just come to do. He's doing a Q and A, so he's very happy to right. take questions from supporters um, about pretty much anything, really. Excellent. It's not until you get a chance to ask a chief exec a lot of questions, is it? So you know, exactly. Hopefully, hopefully, you know, people have some decent questions for him. And, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, hopefully he'll give, he'll give Frank answers. So, mm-hmm. you know, let's get as many people there as possible. Well, definitely. Yeah. I, I, I didn't actually know about that. So uh, I'm definitely going to go. Be, yeah. It should be a very good event. What, what's, what's for sure is that this, this review now is going to create quite a lot of work for football fans, particularly supporters trust, um, because as a democratic organization, as a legally constituted organization, a lot of this stuff is going to be channeled through, through us. So there's never been a better time to get involved. Um, and we need people who, who have got all sorts of skills because we really, you know, we're going to have to step up for this. Um, a lot of stuff is going to start falling in our laps really. And, you know, we've asked for this, we want this, so we need to, to step up. Um, which it's been is interesting because I think, I think when, when we, um, 
secured the removal of the oysters. There was there's a lot of talk about well, where did BST go from here? Mm. But I think I think the the, the answers staring us in the face mm. in that 160 page document that that's mm. been produced by Tracy Crouch and a team. And, um, you know, like I say, it's a huge, huge task with lots of different facets. And it's going to be very, very interesting to see how it actually pans out, not just at Blackpool, but but, but nationally as well. Because, you know, listen, we've, we've banged the drum long enough. And I think we've now got to, you know, to use it, walk the walk, haven't we? We've got to show that we can do it and do it properly. Yes, yeah, absolutely. And and as Danny Finkelstein said, you know, about the the um the skills and 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 how um eloquent and what so many fans were. Um BST, we have always been really fortunate with the people that we've had um both on the committee and behind the committee and helping us. Um and, and I'm going to give a shout out here, whether it's controversial or not, I don't know. But the icon, Mr. Robbie Whitaker, who is now the secretary of BST. Um, that man has done so much work um, over over many years. I mean, he was helping us when we were dealing with Sean Harvey. Um, he's he's got so much experience and and you know putting policies and things like that together. So he he really has um, helped create a lot of the documents that we've and the evidence we've put forward, not just for. Blackpool, but for the FSA as well. Um, and he really, he's, he's behind the scenes and, and nobody ever says very much, but honestly, the work that that man has put into this is outstanding. Really the outstanding. Way, the, way that, the way that report read, I thought he'd written it. <laughs> there was those famous um, transcribed notes he did from the court cases as well, weren't they? they well, should, that's, that's when he started, yes. And, they should, and, and yeah. Again, great. Amazing. They should be put up... Um, on a blog post somewhere or recorded or, you know, for, for posterity. So we yeah, can, we can actually. see, yeah. Do they <laughs> still there exist? Is, there is plans to have a, uh, to sort of uh, celebrate everything that went on in, in the armfield, isn't there in the war room, they're going to call it the old Jag lounge. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, I'd like yeah. to think that, you know, some of the reports, you know, cause they, we could, you could always have a, like the modern version of microfiche, couldn't you? And so you can just click on the pages and whatever. They could you be know. like um, a, a kind of a biblical document, you know, like the Ten Commandments, yeah, yeah. the uh, <laughs> the Ten Scriptures from. Um, it was incredible. Just... I, I used to, I used to edit them for him. Um, he would do them. I, I think I did one of the first few ones. That Christine did one, mm. but once Robbie got his hands on it, it was. Very difficult to live up to his um, his prose, wasn't it? So, Absolutely, yes. Um, I, I, I just I uh, decided to retire from doing it and just let just edit Robbie's and and by the end there wasn't much editing going on. It was um, uh, it was because I, I was only editing it from a legal perspective, but his, yeah. <laughs> his, his, his his understanding of what was going on and the way he could actually put it put it forward in, in a way that. Um, the, the ordinary fan could follow and follow logically was, was just yeah. fantastic. Plus we had him on the pod Absolutely. once, uh, Tim, didn't we? And he, he out timismed you even. He did. Yeah. He got, he got, he, I, I think <laughs> if I was on countdown, I'd have been going home, wouldn't I? <laughs> <laughs> right. So Christine, what happens next then with this final, final ad review, does it, does it have to go through the commons for a vote and become law in that way or something different? Well, pretty much. Uh, I mean, I'm not an expert on, on parliament, uh, the way, you know, laws are passed and things, but it, it does have to get through parliament. Um, now Nadine Doris as, as culture secretary, um, she sort of, well, when we spoke to her, I think she tried to temper our expectations about the speed and, saying, you know, that there will be obstacles along the way, which, you know, I think we're all realistic enough to understand that. But I, I, I am so impressed with the report, the way it's come out. Um, I'm, I'm very confident that this is, is going to, it, it's going to fly. Um, but as I say, that's where we as supporters come in, because at the end of the day, we are all voters and our MPs want our votes. Um, so we need to get onto them and, and we need to get behind this. It isn't something for somebody else to deal with. Oh, it's just them up there. I'll deal with that. It, this is, this is bringing it to the level of all football fans. It, it's to help all of us. So we must get behind it and, uh, and, and, and convince the government that we are united behind this as, 
as fans across the country, not just rival clubs, but all of us. Mm. Um, it, it's really, really important. It's going to be probably, to, um, you know, 2022, could be 2023, depending on when Parliament sits and, you know. Well, Nadine, Chrissy, I know you've been at work, so you may not have read it yet, but obviously the on the government website, um, uh, the, the, the Department of Digital Culture, Media and Sport have issued a, a reply to the, the, the recommendations already. And, it, and they've said the government welcomes the work and we're going to submit a response by the spring. Uh, and, then it, and then it goes on. I think this, is, this, is, this shows where, where this is going. It, she says, but the primary recommendation of the review is clear and one the government chooses to endorse in principle today that football requires a strong independent regulator to secure the future of our national game. The government will now work at pace to determine the most effective way to deliver that and any powers that the independent regulator might need. So mm-hmm. the fact that that's been issued within hours of yeah. the issue of the report, I know they'll have seen the report beforehand, um, but the fact that it's been issued so quickly and that they're basic, basically promising to look at this by the spring, which is only after Christmas, he's only yeah. a couple of months after Christmas. Yeah. Um, it's incredible, I think. Um, it is. And it, it is. is that the, 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 the EPL clubs in particular will be quaking in the boots because I oh, don't they think they're going to like what's coming. Wait, wait till the, the screaming starts and, and it will. And they well, will. Kristen Perslow started already, hasn't he? Why is that, yeah. Tim? What makes you say that? Well, um, they're going to start screaming because because it's, it's going to, first of all, I don't think they're happy about this 10% levy. Uh, and the fact that they, excuse it, spunk a load of money on agents every year far in excess of the sums that we're talking about um you know and, and they talk about oh they gave they gave 50 million pounds to the to the lower division clubs during the pandemic whoopee woo mm-hmm. um i mean uh, it's 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 frankly obscene and the fact that they don't want to support grassroots football um is you know that's where that's where their players come from. That's mm. what that's you know. It's it's an integral part of the English game is grassroots, and they should support it. And they need to support the pyramid because if mm. the pyramid collapses, so does English football. So mm. uh, Christian Perslow can get back in his little box, and uh, he's got, they're going to have to. They've, I think they've rolled him out because he's not one of the big six. Although mm. he obviously used to be at Liverpool, didn't he? So you know they're, they're going to fight it. They're going to bleat. They're going to talk about the impact on the EPL as the Premier League in the in the world. Well, don't pay agents so much. <laughs> End of, and you've paid for it all. So uh, you, they'll get any sympathy from me whatsoever, particularly those lot who are on about swanning off to play in the Middle East and in the Far East. And, um, and I think even their fans are starting to realise now what, what, what they're really about. Uh, we, you know, mm. that expression, legacy fans, oh. makes my skin crawl. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, yeah, let's, let's, hopefully the government are going to keep on top of it. We've got to make sure they keep on top of it. And, um, and, yeah, I think they're going to be, they're going to have to get their act sorted out and they've got to get their act sorted out very, very quickly. So, what, what could the average man on the street do to kind of help force this through? Or woman on the street, sorry, Christine. Just write to your MP, kind of. Well, yeah, you you absolutely can do that, and um, you know, there's first of all, I would suggest that everybody just tries to read as much and digest as much of this as possible to really understand what it's about. Um, there's lots of summaries if if you if you've no appetite for the whole thing, um, and and then yes, definitely. Definitely, you know, keep an eye on, you know, follow the FSA, for example, on on Twitter, because they keep everybody up to date with new developments and what's going on. Um, and every time, if there's anything that needs doing, um, signing anything, uh, just keep your eyes and ears open and keep behind it and support it. But certainly, yeah, contact your MP and just let them know that you've seen this, that you're happy with it and you, you want them to, to support it. And support your supports trust. Absolutely support your supporters trust, yeah. <laughs> it might be worthwhile just throwing out um a few links. So Tim Christine, if you get a few links to me, I'll put them on a the, the web page that'll support this this okay, audio podcast you. podcast. Um maybe a template letter that we could all send to our MPs that could Yeah make the process well, a bit easier. Uh, to be fair, I think the FSA will be getting quite a few things together like that. Um, and then, yeah, absolutely, I'll ping it all over to you and um, 
you know, we'll share it widely. Yeah. An action pack, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, closing thoughts, uh, Tim, Christine, if you've got anything else you'd like to say, uh, speak now or forever hold your peace. Uh, well, just for... Let's go to Christine first. Just, just for me, I've I, I just been so proud through this whole process of what we did as Blackpool fans. It, it was still unique um, amongst as many, many clubs that have suffered in many different ways. And obviously desperately, desperately sad for Berry, who paid the ultimate price. But our fans and, and our campaign is was outstanding and has played a massive part in this. So every single person who did anything, if you sent an email, if you signed a, a, a petition, you just stayed away from the from the club, but you were part of it. It's it's got us to where we are today. And at the time, it might not have seemed like it, but we chipped away and we've chipped away and we didn't give up and we we kept going and to be here now is just amazing i'm i'm delighted and tim over to you so who'd have thought carrying that sodden papier, papier mache coffin from uh, the former armfield club down bloomfield road in the pissing rain a, f- a few well probably like thousands of us trudging around the stadium who'd have thought then well, when you gave that rousing speech outside the uh the um, what's it called? The casino, whatever it's called yeah, now. Sam-tai. From from yeah, the Samtai. Yeah, Tim made a rousing speech there. Got everyone on board with this. Yeah, who who would have thought back then? We're now in this position, almost with an end game in sight. Yeah, it's incredible. That that Friday night spending var- when I realised how it was like. You know, you used to have Hitler weather, where it was apparently Hitler weather. When we never like did anything in Nuremberg, it was always sunny. Well, we had car weather, didn't we? So every time we ever did a protest. <laughs> Pissed down my rain. It's all Friday night because I thought having a cardboard rather we couldn't have a, a proper coffin originally. We thought what we're going to do with it at the end. So uh, we got a cardboard. Chucko in in it. And I suddenly I had to spend the night varnishing it repeatedly just to try and make sure I could get it round. Um, but I, actually, I'm going to praise myself just to finish because my my last contribution as chair of BST was to bring this lady onto the committee. Uh, and I think it's the best decision ever made. So I just want to thank you, Christine, for everything you've done over the last few years. I think it's been superb. Not just you, I know the rest of the committee. I know, I've, but you know, you're up there. You're, you're, you know, you you put your head in the proverbial lion's mouth as I did and Steve Rowland did. And mm-hmm. um, you know, I know what a careful line you have to tread. And uh, you got my ultimate respect for everything you've done, and, and particularly now what you're doing on a national level. Superb. Thank you. It's been a privilege. It still is. <laughs> to be continued anyway, Christine on, on the FSA and uh, Tim Tim Fielding, a candidate for a committee place on the Blackpool Supporters Trust. Obviously, the Seasiders pod, podcast has to be impartial, but um, as an individual, Tim will be getting my vote. So uh, get your votes in and uh, get on the Blackpool Sports Trust dot com website and um, do join up do come to the event uh, a week on Saturday it'll be a fantastic event and um, just thanks to Christine and thanks Tim for coming on what's been a, a very enjoyable evening so thank you both thanks very much so just before you head off I'd just like to bring your attention to a Patreon supporter programme that we are running this enables you to just contribute a small monthly amount to help support our show and support our content so if you head over to patreon.com forward slash seasiders pod, you'll find details of how to sign up. It's about £3.50 per month. Price of a pint, and for that you get a few other bits in return, which is access to our private members WhatsApp group. You'll get some exclusive podcasts, competitions. So we generally run match pass draws for our patrons and just other random bits and pieces as they come in. And we are going to be running it an extra time podcast which is going to be an exclusive podcast just for patrons so if you want to sign up patreon.com forward slash seasiders pod it'd be great to have you on board thanks for listening away days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery 
Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.